Choose life. Choose a sport. Choose a drop zone. Choose a start time. Choose a fucking big jump plane. Choose turbine engines, speed, unlimited altitude, and endless horizons. Choose height, no low turns, and travel insurance. Choose jump tickets. Choose tiny action cameras. Choose your mates. Choose a rig and matching helmet. Choose swoop shorts and a range of fucking fabrics. Choose 120 vertical speed and wondering who the fuck you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting on that couch, watching debriefs, spirit-saving slow-mos, smashing beers after last load. Choose standing on the podium at the end of it all. Choose a win you'll love every time. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you fly NZ Aerosports? Of course, I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on. One glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe... There's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports, fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it, swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust. Like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot. The Crossfire 3, when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch. The JFX 2, if you're looking to up your new swoop game. The Leia as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast, or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken. Built as a low pack volume canopy specifically with wingsuiting in mind, she gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So the equipment is top of the line kick-ass stuff as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos. They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Pilot. 
Ready, easy. Oh, wait, no, it's not going to be like that this time. We're going to do something a little bit different this time around because I know you guys have got to be sick and tired of just hearing me and my shitty stories. So I'm going to hand off the podcast to one of my favorites, one of my co-hosts from the beginning. Uh, Enjoy it. This is first time in the seat for Mr. David Jr. Ludwig. Ready, set, go. Back, ah, why isn't this not recording? Take two. Ready, set, go. Back in the can for a special edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. This is David Jr. Ludwig, and I am filling in for the princess pilot himself. We're in the can, and I got a very special guest today. So uh, who the fuck are you, and what do you do? I'm Karim Madur. I'm a management consultant by day and a tandem instructor, kitesurfing instructor by night. I thought you were going to say porn star by night. Well, that's uh, the weekend job. So, uh, skydiver by night. Um, how'd you get started with the sport? When did you uh, When did you get started? So, 2007. I was living in Kuwait. Found out that in Ummul Kuwait, they have a drop zone, and they offer skydiving in the Middle East. So, being afraid of heights, I challenged myself. I'm like, I'm gonna go for a skydive. 2007. Went over there. No booking. Nothing. Went on the plane. Jumped right off. I jumped right off because the plane was really bad shape. <laughs> okay, so yeah, let's. We've, we've all seen some of those before. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and um, then I'm like, yeah, this is a good mental uh, barrier that I just broke. And then um, a few years later, I got it as a gift again, as a tandem skydive. Did one more, did three more. Then I was on a kite surfing vacation in Spain in 2012. I'm, I'm like, I might as well. Might as well do my AFF. Finished my BPAA license in four days. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. So you uh, you've you've been involved in a few uh, extreme sports, so to speak. You said you were on, you were going there for for kite surfing. Yeah, um, forty five knots in Los Canos. That was uh, I was kiting with a four and a half meter kite, and I was scared. I'm like, this is how people die. That wow. was a yeah. four and a half meter kite. So yeah. put that into terms for for somebody who's not into. Uh, and a kite surfing or skydiving? An average kite would be 12 meters square. Okay. Okay, this is the usual kite that people would use. A small one would be nine. A four and a half meter is in the smaller end of the spectrum. They don't make anything smaller than that. And that oh, was wow. overpowered with that. 45 knots, that's like 60 kilometers an hour. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, some, that's some strong winds. Yeah. That's stuff that we definitely don't, don't go uh, skydiving in. So that's, uh... Or we don't talk about it later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is true. So... Um, what made you want to do uh, a skydive for the first time? A fear of heights. I'm terrified of heights until this day. Until this day, until scared this of heights. Day, yeah, until this day. And um, I thought it would break it, but it didn't. But it uh, gave me other things. It gave me uh, mental, uh, mental toughness, I would say. And, uh, like when I did my first skydive, anything that would um, oppose me in life, I'm like, this is nothing compared to jumping out of a plane. As a like, as a tandem person, you know, and it would just put me through, it would just pull me through everything. Yeah. So, uh, where are you, where are you born and raised? Where are you from? So born in Abu Dhabi in the Middle East and, uh, until 16, uh, was raised by the beach and, uh, windsurfing, tennis, some golf, lots of swimming. Mm, thanks to my dad. Then moved uh, to Egypt when I was 16. Landlocked country, so I still uh, found my way 
to Sinai, which is Dahab. I spent most of my university days there. I remember my first scuba dive. Um, I found a discount. I was a student, so I didn't have much money. My dad was a scuba diver, though, and he thought it was dangerous. So I called him up. I'm like, hey, um, there's an offer here for, for a scuba dive. He's like, don't do it. It's dangerous. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I won't do it. Then an hour and a half, he called me later. He's like, how was it? <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> so dad knew it was going to happen. Yeah, anyway. it's going to happen. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's an amazing uh, start. So you're Egyptian then as well. So what, uh, what are you, where do you, what's your, your passport? So by origin, my dad is half Egyptian, half Yemeni. Okay. My mother is half German, half Egyptian. You're a mutt. Uh, I would say... Uh, you got a little bit of everything in you. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Mutts are like half and half. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is a good mix. Yeah. So I identify as Egyptian. You identify as Egyptian. Yeah. Egyptian, uh, Egyptian. Yeah. <laughs> Egypt is a uh, is a beautiful country. I've I've yeah. yet to make it over there. We've talked about this a little bit yeah. in the past and yeah. uh, in the present as well. We we want to we want to get a trip over there for oh, sure. Oh yeah, for sure. With a local. With yeah, absolutely. Yeah. With the locals is definitely the best way yeah. to go. Um, so, born in Abu Dhabi, grew up a bit in Egypt. Yeah. And then you've you've been around the I've, Middle East quite Middle a bit. Middle East, huh? yeah. I've did I've done the whole Middle East. Yeah, I've worked and lived in the whole Middle East for a while. Okay, so yeah. how does uh, how does somebody who who enjoys these uh, these extreme sports wind up getting into the the business that you're in? Management consulting. Yeah, management consulting. It has to, someone has to pay for it, right? <laughs> someone for the first part of it, someone has to pay for it. Yeah, you chose some uh, some experience uh, some expensive sports here, huh? Yeah, I didn't know. No one told me. No one told me skydiving is gonna break my bank. Yeah. The only way to be a millionaire is skydiving and start as a billionaire, right? Yeah, you start as a billionaire and yeah. work your way down. If you want to yeah. if you want to make a million dollars in skydiving, start yeah. with two. Exactly. Exactly. And that's so true. People don't know it. <laughs> yeah. It's only advice. So do you just fun jump? You're, uh, you're an instructor as well? Okay. So uh, I got a project in Kenya in 2018. And I know that there's a drop zone there. Uh, there was a boogie there as well. And... Uh, one of my mentors was uh, doing uh, a tandem rating over there. So, I don't know who that would have been. Ah, no, you don't know him. He's, <laughs> he's, he's kind of famous, though, but yeah. So you were doing uh, the tandem rating over there in Kenya, and I joined. And that's what made me do my tandem rating, is uh, going to spend six months in Kenya. Might as well make the most out of it. And the uh, only way to do that is to spend the weekdays in Nairobi and the weekends as a tandem instructor in Ukunda or Deani. Scott Avdiani. Oh, that was a, that was a beautiful drop zone to to jump out before magical. before it shut down. Yeah, magical. Um, best days of my life, I would say. Um, we had uh, a few problems there, mainly like we need people to jump over the Nagong race course, active race course in Ni in Nairobi. That like that was a problem that we had. Another problem was there's twelve Swedish nurses that need to be tandem jumped over by the weekend. I'm like Gary. I like your problems, you know, like... That's, these, a, that's a tough problem to it, have. It is. It's a tough life, but uh, <laughs> we managed. Yeah, we managed. So you started jumping. You got your tandem rating. Yeah. Um, how long have you been in tandem instructor for? Mm, October 2018. Okay. Until uh, this day, 2021. What was, your, uh, what was your favorite tandem so far? I remember my scariest tandem. 
Okay, we were just scary. That was the so far. first one with you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you looking back at me. I could see you go up and down, and I didn't know that was my chest pushing you up and down. And you, and you look at me, and you're like, "Calm down." I'm like, "Oh, I'm breathing too hard." Yeah, I never felt so scared of my in my life. Like that was one of the scariest moments ever. It was, yeah. We've all been there, though. I mean, we yeah. we all make it through that that first yeah. that first tandem, that first one, that the live one where you're you're actually on the back is. Yeah, is uh, pretty nerve wracking. Yeah. Um, I've I've talked about it on here before. My first live tandem with anybody in the front was actually my dad. Wow. So my dad was a my when I went through my tandem rating was a little bit different than yeah. than the way I, um, I put you through your course. Yeah. And uh, the way we run the courses now is that, and it should have probably been run like that back then as well. But like I said, times were a little bit different. So, um, they found whoever had over 500 jumps, and they would go on the front and that would be part of the course. Usually they, they picked um, tandem instructors or other people that were in the course, but I never actually did a, a single jump with my examiner. Um, it was all other experienced people from, from the job zone. And my first one, I did my solo. Um, my, my front ride got waived because I did my front ride with somebody else. And then my next jump, which was the first one that was live, uh, was my dad in the front. All I was thinking the whole time is don't kill dad. Mom, mom will kill you if you hurt dad. Mom's going to kill you if you hurt dad. So <laughs> I know what you I know what you're feeling and I guarantee every other tandem instructor out there is feeling the same mm-hmm. thing or they've been in the same spot before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, my mom doesn't know that I skydive till this day. Wait, what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> my mom does not know that I skydive. She knows I did one tandem. Okay. In 2007. And I remember she got up after watching the video, went and cleaned the kitchen again, started crying. And then she's like, "I don't know what to do with you." I don't know what to do with you. I'm like, Does she know about the the kite surfing? Yeah, she knows about the kite surfing. Yeah. And for those that aren't listening, you also do uh, uh, Brazilian jiu jitsu yes. as well, right? Yeah, yeah. As I'm as I'm sitting here staring at you with a with a with a sling on your shoulder. <laughs> yeah, I just had AC joint surgery. Yeah, what was what was that from? I, I slipped in the bathroom. You slipped in the bathroom in jiu jitsu. In jiu jitsu. <laughs> yeah, one of the statements is true. <laughs> Which one? Which one, folks? You guys can you guys can be the judge. Yeah, yeah, they can pick it. Insurance purposes only. I told you, man, you need to come up with something better. Like you were rescuing a baby from a burning fire or from a burning building, and you had to jump out the window. It was either you guys jump out the window and you save the baby, or you get burned alive. And you got to come up with something good for the ladies. People know I'm scared of heights. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So uh, you've done scuba diving. Yeah. You've done skydiving. Yeah. Um, we touched a little bit about uh, the kite surfing, but you're also a kite surfing instructor. Yeah. yeah. How, did, how did that happen? So uh, 2007 as well, I started getting a block in my left ear, so I couldn't scuba dive. And still, kite surfing was still new. It was still a dangerous sport. It was an extreme sport. I was in that. It still is. Ah, compared to what we had, now it's very safe. It was two-line kites, no safety, and people, like, the only safety is people hugging you and pulling you down with the kite so that you don't get airborne. And I remember I was in Dahab and uh, I saw people kite surfing, one or two. This German guy called Gunner. He offered a free lesson, a free intro. And uh, I remember all he said in the first lesson was theory. He's like, yeah, if you do this, you will die. If you do this, you will die. And then the lesson from 20 people started to, like, Less and less people. Less and less people. People, people, were, <laughs> show people were, were getting <laughs> exactly, out of there as exactly. quick as they could. Yeah, and we ended up five. And uh, we tried the trainer kite, not the trainer kite. It was proper kite with two lines. It was way different than what we had. 
And then in 2008, I moved to Kuwait, moved back, finished my lessons in kite surfing, and then uh, got good at it, got very good at it. I'm like, maybe I can do something about this. A management consultant in Abu Dhabi, not making that much money. I'm like, yeah, let's figure a way on how to do this. And I remember 2011, I booked my course in Egypt as an instructor. And my dad surprised me with a check for the price of the course. And that was very nice. It was an encouragement. Went and did the course and my life changed. Uh, I encourage anyone that has a passion for anything to go for a professional certification. They will find out how much they don't know about the sport. And it will open their eyes and it will open boundaries and it will open everything else. It changed my life. It changed the way that I look at life. Yeah? Yeah. Were you looking at life differently before? Was, yeah. It, there's, made it brighter? Yeah. There's two <laughs> <laughs> There's two ends to to anything. One is the consumer side and one is the like. One is the producing side, so we can consume something. We can consume kite surfing, as an example. We can buy the gear. We can consume the wind. But making something out of it or uh, guiding people into it or selling equipment or teaching lessons, it, it gives you another perspective. It opens up knowledge. It makes you meet people. Uh, I'm a shy person, and that changed me. Like It changed me in how I uh, interact with people, how I introduce myself to people. I'm... Not saying uh, like, hey, I'm Kareem, I'm the Kaiser. No, I just talk, hey, what's up? My name is Kareem, that's it. You know, it changes the way that you talk to people as well without giving your credentials or giving anything. Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. I think yeah. um, becoming a tandem instructor, becoming a first a static line instructor and dealing with students and then becoming a tandem instructor um, and dealing with multiple people in a day. I mean, I think the most tandems I've done in one day is 25. What? Um it's the most that I've done in, in in one day, and I I think having those those mini I joke around I call them my, these mini relationships exactly. Um, I'd always tell people you know I'm great at these twenty minute relationships, um, thirty minute relationships, whatever they are, because it's you're meeting somebody, you're 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 talking to them, you're getting to know them a little bit, you're you're finding out about them, because you have to as I think as an instructor you need to find out a little bit about them. Exactly. Um, and I've, I've talked about on on some of the podcasts in, in the past that um, as instructors we need to. Uh, find the motivations from somebody and what's bringing them out to motivate them. And that's, you know, one of those things that's so important that we wind up becoming a little bit more open as people. We, we're, we're a little bit more approachable. We're a little bit more outgoing. And yeah, so I, I, under, I understand it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always had a passion to teach. So even in university days, like um, I used to do these courses in things that I'm good at. Example, marketing as an example. So I used to gather all the class, whatever you want to call it, and they used to come to my house one night before the exam. I used to tell them, this is what you need to understand, and they passed the exams. Um, then when I start scuba diving, I was also given that role. And um, I did my course for $30, by the way. My scuba diving course, I did it for $30 with the military. I hate you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. The visibility was uh, 30, uh, was one foot. 30 centimeters. That was the visibility in the place where I did it. Um, and I was given that role. Like uh, once after about three days, you're like, yeah, so any new students, you will start teach them, etc. With kite surfing, uh, I found out that, yeah, I'm good at teaching things. And uh, I pride myself in teaching swimming in an hour. I can make someone that has a fear of water swim in an hour and a half, 25 meter pool. And I can teach riding a bike in 12 minutes. So... Um, Learning how to teach kite surfing was uh, opened my eyes into a method induce versus impose. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And this is how I look at things. Some things you need to impose, like maybe 10% safety as an example. Other things you need to induce. Induce as in the person that is coming to you for either a tandem or an AFF or for kite serving or for a kite serving course he he's asking for guidance and he's already a kite surfer but all you have to do is to guide him on what the way is and each person is different each person understands things differently uh some people uh, pull the bar differently some people uh as an example uh, some people have a tendency to freeze you can ask them to breathe or i remember one client i asked her to sing and that worked That's an interesting one. Uh, yeah, ask her to sing, and that worked. Yeah, I don't think I would necessarily want my skydiving students singing out in, uh, well, out they, in free fall. Yeah, they, they usually scream. Right? Yeah, it's usually it's usually a screaming <laughs> re reaction. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting the way the way people deal with um, fear, and and how how we need to find ways to to get them to overcome yeah. certain things. Like you like you said, you know, you get people that freeze, you get people that um, get the the tunnel vision, the narrowing of the vision, yeah. and Um, whether they remember something or don't remember, they're focusing on one thing. You've got people that, you know, I've never saw those hand signals from you, you know, or in your case, it may be, I never saw the other kite, the kite from the, from the other kite border. All I, all they're doing is focusing on, on one thing. And, um, you've got the other people that turn around and they won't remember half of, half the skydiving. It's, it's funny. I've been reading, um, a book recently. It's called On Combat and it, it's, more towards um, people in the military and um, police and stuff like that. But they were talking in that book about how different people deal with, deal with fear. Um, and actually some of the, some of the stuff they were actually talking about is um, where people actually, you know, the, 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 the saying um, scared shit yeah. is actually that saying for a reason, because people that do get a certain amount of fear have actually been known to, to shit themselves. So we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Has that happened to you? Well, uh, free fall, you don't smell anything, did you, Junior? <laughs> oh, yeah, I always shot myself, man, that first time. Yeah. Good thing it was behind me, yeah. not in front of me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> have, you had a, have you had a student do that? No. No. Not yet? No. I remember my first uh, passenger, paid, paid passenger, that was in Kenya, was a Swedish guy, 100 kilos. That, wow, that's a lot. That's uh, for... for <laughs> Anybody that's uh, listening does know kilos. That's that's at uh, 200 pounds. Yeah. That's 240 pounds. 220 pounds. Yeah, 220 2.2. Swedish guy um, worked in uh, in the embassy. Was his seventh tandem. So he goes around the countries and he does tandems. So I was under pressure to to have a a performance, and it was uh, 9 a.m. I remember, and uh, I did a sitting exit because he was so heavy. Slid out of the plane, opened up at six. Then I'm like, how am I going to add value to this person? Then I saw a cloud right in front of me. I gave him the toggles. I'm like, guide us to the cloud. And he went right through the cloud. Then I took off by the, by the toggles. And he's like, man, that was the best tandem I ever had. I'm like, if you only knew. <laughs> That's you're my first, you know. Yeah, landed him and uh, took a Polaroid picture, added him to the album, which I have. My tandem uh, logbook is a mixture of Polaroids of every single tandem that I ever did. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I wish I would have uh, would have done something like that when yeah. I when I first started. Yeah, that would be uh, that'd be cool to look back over the years yeah. and and see. Yeah, It'd be a lot of a lot of Polaroid pictures. Exactly. I would definitely look like uh, some kind of. Uh, you'd I have, don't know. You'd have more hair. 
I'd have, well, yeah, I would definitely have more hair, but I would definitely look like some kind of uh, rapist or something like that, taking weird, weird pictures with every single person. Smiling. Who are all, who are all these random females that you have pictures with? Oh, why nothing, are they naked? Why, why, why do you have a picture with this naked dude? Yeah. Oh, funny story. Yeah. But yeah, that's awesome. So you've uh, you got your start in scuba first. Yeah. Followed it up with kite surfing. Correct. And then moved into skydiving. Paragliding. I did paragliding for a short while. Okay. I thought it was too dangerous. Paragliding was too dangerous compared yeah. to yeah. scuba diving, skydiving. Yeah. There's not much altitude for you to do an EP, right? So. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. it just depends. Uh, the group that I was in had a lot of bad accidents, and uh, it wasn't encouraging. And it's, The Middle East is not the best country to paraglide in. Like, I'd rather do it somewhere in Europe, more proper mountains, thermals, and all that. Right on. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I enjoy. I haven't really gotten into paragliding. I've done speed riding and and mountain flying and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I've never really gotten into the paragliding. I've got a uh, a couple of friends um, who've been encouraging me over the years, and I mean, one of both of them are you know world champion, yeah. acrobatic paragliders, and they. I just can't pull the trigger to to make the trip, and you know, it's always. If I'm going to spend that that kind of money, it's going to be going off to a skydiving trip or going home to visit family or exactly. or whatever. So it's kind of hard to to find the justify. time and justify something like that. Um, but someday I I will actually I'll, I'll pull a trigger and I'll and I'll listen to the boys and, and actually go out when, and hang out with them a little bit. But um, so you've made it made this this trip through these different sports. How did you get into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? Um, so uh, when I was younger, when I first moved to Egypt. Um, um, how do I say this? Um, I went through a tough time, uh, self-induced, uh, substance abuse time. Okay. And, uh, because as a kid, sports was always the background. I found, um, I found refuge in sports and, um, I started doing, um, I used to do karate as a kid, but that's like regular stuff. Found the gym. I started doing, um, kickboxing and gymming a lot and to get out of uh, the funk that I was in to say the least and that was my refuge um, got into a few bus scruffles as well as a child and all the regular stuff but that that's that's just being a, a male yeah a that, male that, that's kid. just I mean, having we, fun we've all we've all had, yeah. had fights at the schoolyard and stuff yeah like that. and that's the fun part right and then um, it's not like it used it, it's not like it used to be now nowadays you have to worry about that because somebody's gonna come back with a gun and shoot you or stab you or something like that. When we were when we were kids, you'd settle something with your fist and just get into an argument, fight it out, be done with it. Yeah. Now it's people have to worry about other stuff now. Like yeah. they have to worry about knives and stuff like that. We like we had it easy. We like we had it easy. Um, then I went, came to Dubai, 2016. I went to MMA. Um, and when they taught me the groundwork, the coach is like, "Have you trained before?" I'm like. No, not really. He's like, okay, I think in jiu-jitsu, like, there's something there. Because, like, I find myself in a natural position to, like, on the ground to dominate. And then after a few months of MMA, I'm like, okay, there's jiu-jitsu. Let me try this. If this is what I enjoy in MMA, not the striking, I like the grappling, I, I, like, I like to manipulate the body in certain positions. I tried jiu-jitsu and I fell in love with it. I'm like, there's a science to what we used to do as kids. Like there's a science and how we used to fight as kids. No, there's there's actually science to it. 
I got addicted from the first role and uh, the discomfort and uh, and just putting yourself under that pressure and learning like chess, like it's human chess. I just pursued it, I pursued it, uh, injury after injury after injury. After, uh, after current injury? <laughs> yeah, it's it's part of the game. But uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's one of my favorite sports, like for me, and it's not weather dependent as well. And uh, jujitsu, I, I must say, has put me, uh, pulled me through a lot of tough times. Like my dad passing away, I remember the first thing that I did is go to jujitsu, go to jujitsu really hard, and uh, it would just take me out of that funk, to say the least, again. And uh, yeah, and it elevates the mood, elevates the mood, elevates the mood. And no matter how bad you feel after rolling in jujitsu, you feel great. Yeah, I can yeah. I can see that. I mean, yeah. I, mine was a little bit different. I was I was scared. I mean, the time when I lost my dad and yeah, um, getting back up in the air and getting, you know, for me, I did my first jump back. I just did a, you know, a hop and pop and and just got out, got in the air, and uh, it definitely it 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 kind of pulled me out of it a little bit. So I I understand yeah. I understand what that is, um, and what it's what it's like to kind of kind of have to rebound and and find something to kind of yeah. fix the mood a little bit. Yeah, for sure, it helps. So, uh, besides uh, jujitsu, any other extreme sports that you're into? I mean, the the list of sports just keeps piling up. Oh, I reached an age uh, going 37 that I have to pick and choose. So uh, it's uh, kite surfing, jujitsu, and skydiving. Anything else is supplementary to this. If I'm doing mobility work, if I'm doing running, if I'm doing anything else like weightlifting, it's for these sports only, and nothing else. I do want to get at some point into free diving. I did the course, but uh, I haven't found the time to actually push the limits there. Well, how do you find the time between kite surfing, skydiving, and and jujitsu? I mean, that, that that's that's a lot of timing. I mean, the weekends you're you're either what jumping out of the airplane, or if it's too windy, you're you're going to the beach and yeah, and pumping surfing. the kite up to exactly to yeah. go. Um, well, with all these sports, they're all dynamic, right? Like uh, jujitsu, you're 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 reacting or provoking dynamic um, external things with with your opponent. With skydiving, you're reacting. You're, if, if you're tracking or you're reacting to the wind or to the exit or to the passenger, there's always a reaction. Kite surfing, it's dynamic as well with the wind, but free diving, it's within you, and it's a it's a stillness and it's different. It's just different, and that's why it's on my radar because it's a downtime and it's the self-discovery. So I need to make time for it, and it's something that I can pursue for the rest of my life as well. Yeah, I've seen some uh, some videos of of people free diving. I've never really done it myself. I mean, yeah. my idea of free diving is, um, you know, dropping something out of the boat in shallow water and having <laughs> to go find it after afterwards. Like I, I remember one time we dropped a, uh, it was either a hammer or a wrench by accident. We dropped it yeah. off the side of the boat and. Luckily, we were in we were in shallow water, yeah. so it was you know grab the fins, grab the mask, and dive down and try to try to find the yeah. hammer that had dropped yeah. off of the boat. <laughs> that was my idea of free diving, and yeah. you know staying down there for yeah. the the thirty seconds, forty five seconds, and then coming back up. But yeah. um, I could see where the where the passion is with it, and it is um, a lot of a lot of friends um, that I know actually do free diving, and everybody tells me as, as a scuba diver, they're like, oh. Do free dive and you'll love it. Yeah. You know, you got to try it. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it's one of those things that that I'll try at some point. But yeah. uh, spear fishing, spear fishing. Yeah. I'd rather. I don't know. Feel feel bad for the little fishies. Uh, you won't feel bad when it's in your stomach. I know. <laughs> you can't say that though. My my wife is uh my wife is a vegetarian and you know 
She'd she'd make make me feel bad for for killing the poor fish for nothing. She doesn't have to know. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just trying to get me in trouble. Yeah. So uh, getting back into talking about the, the instructor things a little bit because it's it's nice actually to to be on in the room and and talking with with somebody else that's an instructor. Um, it's always nice to 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 hear other stories and and um, see about how how stuff goes through. And what's funny and for the people that don't know out there, um, I've been an instructor for you and and you know skydiving and and you're actually you've taken me on as a as a kite surfing instructor even yeah. though we haven't gotten much time with it we've only yeah. been in the water one time with the yeah. with everything but uh we're kind of you know reversing roles here yeah which is kind of which is yeah. kind of cool yeah so how am i as a, as a student um i learned from you uh <laughs> like um i remember last time we were on the on the trainer kite with your wife um, the way you see things is a bit different. So um, I learn from every client that I see. Um, there's always a learning experience. But from you, it's a bit different because um, having to communicate with someone of such high level and I can literally tell you anything and you'll do it. Anything. I'll tell you, draw a square in, in the sky. And that's a true story, by the way. <laughs> draw a square <laughs> it, in the it sky. Is <laughs> it is a true story. <laughs> yeah, with the kite and something that I struggle with. Like something I'm really good with the kite. Something that I struggle with. And I told you, hey, man, you need to draw a square in the sky. How it's done, you do like half a flip here, half a flip there, and you just execute it perfectly from the first go. So it's a parachute, though. It's a, it's a canopy. It may, it, it may be a different design, but it's yeah, it's, it's very much a canopy. Yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable with, with parachutes. <laughs> I, I, comfortable is an understatement. Uh, let me give you an introduction to Junior, uh, world champion multi-rated uh, super. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, very humble. You're very humble, Junior, I, and I don't like that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, there's no point to, yeah. to not be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's interesting on how um, I can just say something once and you visualize it and, and you just get it done. Like, I can't wait till we get some water time after my shoulder or even before because I know that if I tell you something once, it's going to be executed flawlessly. Um, and that's a pleasure that I get to see, you know. What's been... Uh I'm I'm blushing over here for you guys yeah. that, that don't see it. That doesn't happen very often, but I'm actually yeah. I'm actually blushing a little bit. Um, uh, it's humbling to 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 hear somebody say that, and thank you for that. But yeah. uh, what's uh, what's one of the one of the one of the hairier stories? Something something from from uh, from kite serving because you've been doing that longer than you've been than you've been skydiving for sure. What's something that uh, a good something, story to tell to tell I, the people listening that that's just going to blow them out of the water? Something that I've seen or something that I've done? Either way. Either something that you've seen, something you've done from, from either from having, uh, you know, question, a student that didn't quite listen to everything you're saying or... Mm, most, of my, most of my students were safe. Um, especially in this part of the world, um, the wind is not that strong. So there's not much that can happen. I've seen bad accidents happen in kite surfing. People that try to learn by themselves, which I don't recommend. Uh, that day in Los Canes with a four and a half meter kite, I picked up a guy from the beach. He had uh, a two inch scar from his forehead to his eye because he Ooh. hit the reef. Yeah. And one other girl broke her leg that day. We're, we're talking about a spot which usually handles 500 people. And because of the conditions that were there that day, it was 20 people. So, uh, so the, only the, the most experienced people were out there and probably one or two idiots. I think mostly idiots and only one experience. <laughs> yeah. Where did you fall on that list? <laughs> lucky idiot, <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah. Um, 
a hairy experience that I got kite surfing was in Oman. Um, Masira Island, one of my favorite spots to kite surf, and we went to the wave spot, which is more to the ocean. Masira Island is a nice spot to kite surf because it gets trade winds, one of the most reliable weather systems on earth. And we're talking about uh, easy 30 knots, 35 knots in summer. And the problem is the waves were minimum three meters. You know how surfers, they say it was overhead. No, it was overhead, like three meters, three meters plus. And coming from two directions, uh, I remember I was with my friend Khaled. I went in, we took turns. So I went in and... um, because the waves were coming from two directions, it created like a vortex in, in the water. And if you drop your kite below the wave height, then the wind stops. And if you drop your, your kite inside the wave, you're done. And I remember I had this moment saying, this is how people die. This is exactly how people drown and die. Because you're about minimum one kilometer away from the shore, in the middle of the ocean, with big fish, big turtles, overhead waves, gusty winds. You're having fun, you're surfing waves and switching between this side of wave and this side of wave like from left side to right side left side but right side and And for people that people that are out there that don't know that much about um kite surfing in order to do something like that it's the positioning of the kite and how you're flying the kite exactly so you need to have your kite minimum at 45 degrees which you can't have it in this like 45 degrees if you point your arm up uh, 45 degrees from your eye level this is where your kite is supposed to be but the problem is when you have overhead waves and you're dipping inside by the water, if you put it at 45, the waves will block the wind or will create some gust. And if it catches that and if it falls into the water, you don't get it up in time, which is also difficult because there's no wind to pick it up. You're fucked. Yeah, you're fucked. And, but the, that was not the, the problem was you're so far offshore and the waves are in two directions. So the vortex is going to suck you in or whatever, the tornado or whatever you want to call it. I'm not sure what it's called in English though. Um, and I went out. I'm like, no, I'm not going to kite surf here. And we went to the other side of the island and we had a lot of fun. So knowing your limitations with that just as as, uh, as much as with skydiving and, and other sports, you need to know, know your limitations and what you're comfortable with. It's a, it's a good lesson for, for anybody out there. And we've, we've talked about, you know, stuff like that before and, um, how it's important to know what your limitations are and, yeah. and have clear limitations. And that's what kind of keeps us, you know, above ground and not, you yeah. know, not getting put underground. It's important to push yourself out of the comfort zone in a controlled manner. But it's also important to have conscious incompetence. So you know that you don't know. It's very important. Man, look at you using big words and I stuff. I know, right? I read the book two years ago. I read the page two years ago. Sorry. <laughs> to her. <laughs> right on. Yeah. So uh, what would you uh, tell to anybody that's wanting to get into kite surfing or, or Brazilian jiu-jitsu or, or any of those things for that matter? Um, how, to, how would you go? Show up. How would they go about getting into Show that? up. Show up. You don't have to wait till people show up with you. Just show up by yourself. A lot of, uh, if you wait for people to uh, encourage you and stuff like that, you're not going to get anywhere. If you find something, research it and show up. That's all I'm going to say. I went, I did my AFF alone. I did my kite surfing course alone. Um, I'm not going to wait for anyone. Um, show up and people will follow you. Just show up. That's the first step. So uh, let's get back into skydiving a little bit. You've uh, you've had the privilege of uh, skydiving some some pretty cool places for for being uh, as young in the sport as you, as you are. I mean, you, you started jumping, you said when? Back in what year? 2007 was my first tandem. 2012 was my AFF. 2012. Okay, so you've mm-hmm. been you've been jumping for for a little while now. Yeah. So about uh, what is that? 
my math is horrible, about nine years now. I don't have that much fingers to count on. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't have nine fingers to count on? <laughs> I didn't know that. I wasn't paying attention there. Um, so nine years, you've, yeah. you've, uh, you've jumped quite a few places, huh? Yeah. What would you say that your, uh, your favorite, your favorite skydive was? Where's, where was your favorite spot to jump? Uh, um, tandems over the pyramids was, uh, the highlight for sure. Thanks to Omar and th- thanks to you. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, one of my proudest moments uh, to be able to skydive on top of my country, on top of the pyramids, and take passengers out of a C-130, 15,000 feet. That's, uh, that's pretty yeah, cool, for yeah, sure. Yeah, um, I was scared. I, I was really scared. And uh, just to put on my game face and went for it. Um, I remember my first landing. Um, yeah, my first landing was, they told me to fly two pyramids and then take a left. <laughs> that, that's some instructions okay you're gonna go down two pyramids yeah turn left exactly and aim for the sphinx <laughs> yes exactly that's exactly what they said and uh i was so in awe i had to fly the three pyramids <laughs> i did and then i took a left after the third pyramid and um i'm, I'm off and i look at my passenger he was the cfo of some big company a uh, lebanese guy and uh it was, uh, and I looked at him. I'm like, by the way, he's like, yeah, yeah, I know, we're not gonna make it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but 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 you're safe. And man, I, it's amazing. The guy was pretty switched on, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we were talking all the way down. Uh, one thing that I do with the passengers is I uh, is I gauge. Do they want to talk? Do they not want to talk? And you know, I let them have their moment. Uh, yeah. So this guy was talking and uh, all that stuff, and then I'm like, by the way, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not gonna make it back. I'm like, yeah, but you're gonna be safe. And we landed right next to the pyramid. And he was like, wow, this is amazing, etc. And he took the, like a camel back to the back to the drop zone. Did they know. make you walk? Yeah, they made me walk. Yeah, uh, you should have wa- walked after that one. They said two pyramids, man, not three, <laughs> two. Yeah, you yeah. have enough fingers on your hand for that one. Well, two hands, right? <laughs> so, <yeah>. Two hands. <laughs> you have you have plenty of fingers to count too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, that was. Uh, I remember that sky dive, but I also remember the last one because uh, I know that the only uh, condition to pull a gainer exit is from the uh, like a back loaded aircraft, right or wrong. Yeah, yeah, tailgate. Tailgate. Yeah. So all the tandems that I did, I'm like trying to pull that off, trying to pull that off. Then the last passenger, they gave me a a, a thin girl, so I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna be able to do a gainer exit belt with her. But it was her t- second tandem. And like in her life, so I gave her instructions. I'm like, listen, just put your head back, body straight, and let me do the work. And we pulled it off, and I was so satisfied because when you pull the gainer exit, you can pull the drogue right on the slide, and it just pendulums you right to belly to earth. And that was a really nice feeling. Yeah, when you when you when you time it right, the, yeah. the drogue just comes straight off, exactly. and then you just feel it. You feel yourself yeah, kind pendulum. of can just, kind of just yeah. easily come down. The- exactly. Nice. Yeah, yeah, and I have that on video. It was external video as well. Remember when I uh, opened Canopy, she was alert and she was talking. I'm like, just give me a second. I want to thank you for the best exit I ever did in my whole life. And she's like, really? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> thanks to you. Yeah. So she probably had it. She probably had a really, uh, a really big smile after that one. Oh yeah. What was it like for for you dealing with the passengers? Because that that's not an everyday jump, right? That they, they don't have a, a normal drop zone. They they run a couple boogies a year at the at the pyramids and 
Um, it's not something that's that's cheap to to do either. Like there's 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 a few places. I mean, that's one of the wonders of the world. It's it one is. of the seven wonders of the world to to be able to skydive over that. And um, I hope that I'm able to do that one of these days. And I was actually supposed to be at the the same boogie that you were at. Yeah. Um, able to do that, but uh, unfortunately, I was I was too injured at the time. So I kind of kind of you know lost out on that one. But I hope that's an opportunity that comes back to me again at some point. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the passenger level was uh, more of the high end. Like we had celebrities, we had uh, people uh, from the high end of society because it wasn't an, a cheap jump. Uh, I don't know how much it was, but it was pretty expensive. Uh, Did they seem like they appreciated what they were getting to do or were they clueless to it? Well, people were in awe. People were, uh, people were like, uh, I asked one person, he's a celebrity there. I'm, uh, I'm like, this is going to be the best thing that you're ever going to do in your life. He's like, no, man, I have kids. Kids are the best thing ever. I'm like, okay, that's up to you. And the first thing he told me under canopy was like, you're right. This is the best thing I ever did in my life. Under the permits. Don't kill my kids. <laughs> don't, don't, tell them, don't tell them that daddy chose oh. jumping over the pyramids over them. I shouldn't share stuff that happens under Canada because that's strictly confidential, right? Like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. We, we, we share it. I mean, I've, yeah. I've, talked about, I've talked about some of mine on here before. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was, um, that was uh, like one of the experiences. It's like you're giving people that you're absorbing their energy. Like, uh, I remember uh, people that uh, just go speechless I look at them in free fall. I like I sneak a peek like at their face of what they're going through or under canopy how they react to all this adrenaline and you just absorb all this happiness and all this energy in such a way. Um, I've said that for years that you can feed off of off of their emotions. Feed off. That's it. one of the best things about being a tandem instructor exactly. for me is feeding off of the emotions of the person yeah. that you're taking for a jump. Yeah, yeah, like you just broke a mental barrier of that person. He's, his life is not going to be the same. His life is not going to be the same. Um, for Egypt, as a uh, as a shift drop zone, um, I didn't realize it. I got really good training. I got really good training. I, uh, I got really good debriefs on all my tandems while I was in the region. Um, and uh, I was lucky but for that. Um, and these debriefs, when I used to fuck up, uh, one of these debriefs saved, saved, saved my life. Um, yeah, how so? Give, give me some more info on that. So Kenya... Uh, 19th of February 2019. One of the most memorable skydives that I had was I jumped my best friend, uh, Adam. Uh, I've known this guy for 30 years. Uh, my second jump, um, I had four AFF students, military, and a wingsuit with their instructors. Uh, rewind back a year. Um, I was doing a training jump. I was still under probation. Uh, with a 100-kilogram passenger that you told me to take. Um, and I landed off. Uh, I landed in the desert. And the reason why I landed in the desert is because 100-kilogram passenger, I was 80 kilos at the time as well, wing loading of 340. Um, and there was a student, 55-kilogram girl, 100 pounds, 110 pounds, uh, with a 240 canopy and she was circling the air. So I was scared that she would get into collision with me or something. So I landed off. Uh, and I got the beating of my life. You're like, uh, this, uh, this is the skill that we're looking for. You should enter the plane, know what everyone is doing. And you should look at the parachutes and you should look at this. You should never land off. It's unexcusable, etc. And And uh, at least you should have planned your pattern. 
and you could have planned the pattern in any other way. Landing off, you could break the student's uh, legs in the sand, etc. And I remember that. I remember that so well that I took it into consideration. Every time I'm doing a tandem or not even doing a tandem, I look at the whole plane. I look at what people are doing. I look at their size of their parachutes. I look at their weight. I look at their skill level. I ask everyone, what are they doing? I ask the loadmaster, what's like what's happening there? So I'm aware of what's happening in the sky. Um, that's why I encourage people, if you have a passion for something, learn a professional birth certificate. Fast forward one year, Kenya. 19 February 2019. And wait, hold on a second. I know I didn't say it was unexcusable, but I do remember telling you it should never happen. Yeah. But I didn't say it's unexcusable. You know, accidents happen and and um you know, we get put into a different in a yeah. tough situation you and you chose the correct thing to do. Yeah. Um at the time, but um had you you done what we talked about um after that then it would have never happened and now we fast forward to to Kenya and Kenyan. what happens. Yeah. Um, four AFF students in front of me with two instructors each. They're military, so you, no offense to anyone in the military, but they do things differently. Like they do things by the book. Yep. Uh, which I agree with, but uh, I think uh, when you're passionate about something, you learn a bit more. And I'm, uh, I think I'm going to get uh, a beating for that. <laughs> so yeah, um, I look at my tandem passenger. I'm like, she's not going to notice. 5,000 feet from 7,000 feet. If I open a bit higher, she's not going to notice. But I'll be safe. And I know AFF, they like they stop work and they open at 6 or 5-5 or something like that. So I want to give myself time. And for, for the people that don't, that are just listening out there, your your landing area, the landing area you're talking about is about how wide? It's a, it's on a beach, uh, correct? It's every, about, every landing is on a beach yeah, and you're it, landing either one direction or the other or direction the other, on the beach. 10 meters. 10 meters wide, but it's pretty long. So 30, about 30 foot wide it's and 30 foot wide. as long as the as beach As long is. as you want. Yeah, but sometimes the tide makes it less. So uh, I do the jump. Um, I open at 7. I deploy at 7. And uh, I watch. I watch the last two students, military, because they did static line before, so they're confident under canopy or something or some sort. Yeah. And um, on their, they do their uh, base leg. Then one turns into the other, and they have a canopy collision. Um, lack of training, I guess. Like, if I had that skill set, I wouldn't be in that situation, but I would open more fabric. The guy cut away. 100 feet. Oof. No, we know how that ends. Yeah. Um, I panicked for a bit, like I saw it happening. And um, I landed 500 meters off, really far away. Just to get away from Just to get away from all this. Just to get away from all this. I knew what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, landed. Took off the passenger, everything. My friend, because I jumped him before, he's like, you see what happened? I'm like, yeah, I saw what happened. And... uh, we put the guy in the ambulance. He's he's already like going, and uh, yeah, and that and um, I, I felt bad for feeling grateful that I had that training. Uh, that that I was I felt good when some other guy was passing away. That I felt good that I had that proper training to keep me safe and my passengers safe. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with with having the feeling of of being grateful for being alive and and yeah. being grateful for having yeah having the training that you that you received and yeah. um 
Was that the first time that you've that you've witnessed something like that? Uh, under canopy, yeah. Like uh, passenger under canopy and looking at it live happening, yeah. And, uh, and like it, it was unreal. Like uh, yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a pleasant experience, but uh, it just goes to show that having the proper mentors, having the proper training, can save your life. And it's important when you do take a course that is in an extreme sport to know the reference, know the people. And if they, if they push you, if they push you hard in the right way, accept it. Like a lot of people, they don't take criticism or they don't take functional. Uh, what, what's it called when it's good by criticism? What's it called? I'm, I'm not sure. But listen, just listen. And especially when you're going to these extremes and going to that level, you need to be teachable. Um, being injured and doing ground control, as an example, or doing load mastering, I'm surprised to see how many people don't accept life-saving advice. Like, don't do low, low turns. People do low turns, and they tell me, I'm a B license. I have over 100 jumps. Who are you? I'm like, okay, whatever, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, you didn't do it, right? You're sitting here with, a, with an arm brace on. Yeah. Why am I taking advice from you? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean... That- it, it definitely is. I mean, with any with any experienced um, or with any extreme sport, um, you need to take take the be willing to take advice from ex, from more experienced people. Um, surround yourself with the with the people that are more experienced than you are, and know know who who you should be taking advice from and who you shouldn't be taking advice from. Here's the thing. I think you touched on a very important point. Um, um, I've been lucky to be with people around you as an example, or Omar, or Ricky, or people that push, um, like... And Ricky's your jiu-jitsu coach, yeah? Ricky's a black belt in, in jiu-jitsu, and um, um, the past two years, I was a bit overweight, and then I used to hang out with Ricky and Nadine, and they're both super fit people. Like, uh, Nadine is a yoga instructor, Ricky's a jiu-jitsu black belt, and... I was out of shape and hanging out, just hang out with these hey, people. Round is a shape. Don't let anybody tell you differently. <laughs> circle, circle and square. <laughs> exactly. Circle's a shape. <laughs> yeah. Just, just hang out with people that are better than you or just fitter than you or the things they, they push you for. You're the average of the five people that you hang around with at the end of the day. And I truly believe in that. Um, a lot of people I think uh, would uh, like to feel good about themselves and they hang out with people that are less than them uh, for lack of a better term. I don't think anyone's less than anyone in any way. But uh, and they feel comfortable in that way. But when you hang around with people that are way better than you, or way more experienced than you, or way more skilled than you in certain things, you automatically get get pulled into that domain. And uh, uh, I I remember I once broke my leg in the tunnel, in the wind tunnel, snapped my fibula, and I had a phobia from the tunnel. Until Ricky, he's like, you want to go to tunnel? I'm like, no man, I don't do tunnel anymore, you know. <laughs> and then I went and I went to the tunnel and I started free flying. Like uh, I was uh, more of a tracking and big way bellies, uh, 32 ways and things like that. And I started to learn free fly. I broke my leg. I'm like, okay, I need to chill for a bit. But then I went with Ricky once and uh, I'm like, yeah, this is uh, I Then I started about to free fly and he, and he pulled me. Then I met Omar, who was trained jiu-jitsu with, and he's the father of free fly. So then I learned how to stand fly and mm-hmm. carve and do all that stuff, you know, and then... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Omar's been on on this podcast before. We just we just did an episode <laughs> yeah. uh, last couple weeks ago that aired last week for yeah. talking about how we how we deal with uh, with death, death. Um, in the in the in the sport and just as in general. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely um, 
keeping keeping people that are better than you around you and, and learning from them is definitely yeah. is definitely one of those things and, and I still do it to to this day as well. I, I try to find the people that are that are better me better than me at something and um well, good luck. I try to I try to learn from them and, and people that are on the same level. Maybe they they do something on the same level as I do, but they do it in a different way. Yeah. Right? Um to, to cool. take other other points of view and other and other ways, you know, that somebody teaches something. Um, to this day, I still find things that somebody may teach something different than I do, and I look at them like, oh, like I really like the way they the way they do that. That's a little bit different than me, but it seems like yeah. you know, this person it's coming it, com- it comes across a little bit easier for that person yeah. because every person you deal with is different. Yeah. As an instructor, every person that that we that we talk to um, takes in knowledge differently. Yeah, so it's it's kind of it's kind of cool. It is. So we've we've covered a, a good bit of things. Where uh, where do you go from here? What's uh, what's next on the horizon for for Karim? Where where are you going to go with with, yeah. this, with the sport of AFF? Well, I'm an AFF instructor. AFF and rigor rating, yeah. And rigor, yeah. I need to clean up my act. So yeah, <laughs> you've seen the way I pack a parachute, and uh, yeah, I need to clean that up first, and then. Uh, I know I know your rigor currently, and uh, I know the reserve's going to come out okay. <laughs> yeah. So I don't care how you pack your main right now, <laughs> exactly. Because I know that that the pack job in in the yeah. in the reserve trays yeah. is going to work. Every I trust time. you way too much, man. <laughs> the way I pack my parachute, I trust you way too much. It's okay. You, you've yeah. never tried to sleep with my wife. I'm going to take good care of you. <laughs> For those of you guys out there, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Never fuck your rigor's girlfriend or your rigor's wife. Yeah. Those are those or are things boyfriend. to stay away from. Or boyfriend, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't want to be sexist. Or yeah. boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. So next for you is uh, AFF rating. Start training for your riggers ticket. Yeah, you want to uh, got hopes and dreams of opening a drop zone someday, or or what? Um, it's not about that. It's uh, opportunities come if you're prepared, right? So if the opportunity comes and uh, I'm prepared, right, just like Kenya, then you're all set. It you don't have to wait till a rigger opening happens or wait till an AFF opening happens. No, once it it does happen, you're ready for it. So that's the way I see it. If, if, and I think being a tandem instructor and how much it opened my eyes back to the sport, I think AFF is going to be the next level. Like it's going to be uh, the biggest eye opener for me, dealing with long-term relationships with the student and seeing, seeing how they progress and how they fly and how to teach them certain things. I know I'm not at that level of that experience to be able to troubleshoot their, their mistakes yet. But I'm willing to learn um, and willing to observe on how other people do it and combine it into my technique as well. Right on. So we're uh, hopefully I'll see you in one of my AFF courses soon, yeah. Yeah. and we can uh, we can sit down and start uh, working on some some yeah. rigging work with you yeah. once that once that shoulder's healed up and yeah. ready to go. So once the, once the shoulder's healed, you're going to go back to uh, jujitsu. I know the answer to that. You probably already asked a doctor, like, how long do I have to stay on the ground? I'm thinking about drilling without fighting first. And Ricky's like, just chill. Let I'm going to have to talk to Ricky, make yeah. sure that uh, one yeah. of us is have to be yeah. smart for you. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's an addiction, man. I think, you know, yeah. extreme sports in general, I mean, we're, we're all kind of uh, addicted to the adrenaline and addicted, addicted to, the, to the fun of, yeah. of it. I'm still a blue belt, and I'm looking at the black belt like it's a trophy. Like you know, it's a legendary trophy. And That's good. Everybody needs to have something that they're that they're going after, right? That keeps us hungry. For if we're going after something, you know, we have something that we want to attain. Yeah. Then then you go for it. You know, you're hungrier for it, and and it you know you you have something that you that you're driving towards. Yeah. You know, it kind of keeps us uh, keeps us motivated and keeps us uh, wanting to to learn. 
as long as we're learning, I think it's uh, it's a good thing, right? Exactly. Exactly. Right on. So um, I think this has been a pretty good uh, pretty good podcast today. It was you know my first one running uh, running at the helm over here, and I had a had an awesome guest. Um, let everybody know where to uh, reach out and, and find you on uh, on your social media and stuff like that if they want to decide to uh, get some some coaching from you or some uh, lessons from you on on kite surfing and stuff. How do they find you? They can add me on Instagram. I'm always uh, available there. It's a private account, and that is at Mike Alpha Delta Zero Zero Romeo Madur. Madur. Yeah. Right on. And uh, if you're on the Book of Faces as well. Yeah, but I'm not active there, so. Uh, because it's public, right? My mom doesn't know that I skydive. Oh, so. <laughs> that's right. So Things we gotta, get complicated. We got to do it privately because uh, yeah. if mom found out, she, yeah. uh, she'd yeah. beat on you a little bit. I got the Rolex, you know? <laughs> right on. Yeah. Well, man, thanks for being on today. Oh, um, it was, it's been fun for sure. Uh, I got my my first uh, solo podcast out of the way and I had an amazing guest to do it. We've thank had you. some fun together and yeah. uh, hopefully we continue to have uh, more fun over the years. And uh, thanks, bro. That was an honor, man. This, is the, this, this was an experience. Awesome, man. Thanks, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, hopefully. Hopefully. Blue skies, everybody. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void in the Can, brought to you, as always, by, come on, say it with me, the greatest magazine in the known universe, Blue Skies Magazine. Head to blueskiesmag.com to check it out. Also brought to you by Pussfoot.com, the extreme sports collective. Head to Pussfoot.com to find out what they're all about. Summit Parachute Systems. Fuck yes. Jarrett Martin kicking ass, building amazing pilot rigs and giving rigging courses over at SummitParachuteSystems.com. And as for me, I am the fucking pilot as always. You can find me at thefuckingpilot.net or theprincesspilot.com. Same damn thing. Uh, it's going to take you two links for all the podcasts as well as both of the books that I've written. The fucking pilot book and the accidental stripper, both available in digital and print. And if we actually manage to do this, it's going to be available in audiobook as well. So let's see what happens. Thanks again. Take two.